And welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 124. Today we're going to pick it up in uh, chapter 3 of Isaiah. And uh, the title to this section says, Judah's Leaders Judged. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 1. Note this, the Lord of armies is about to remove Jerusalem and Judah from every kind of security. The empty supply of bread, or the entire supply of bread and water, heroes and warriors, judges and prophets, fortune tellers and elders, commanders of 50 and dignitaries, counselors, cunning magicians, and necromancers. What's a necromancer? A necromancer is essentially one who uh, seeks to and attempts to speak to the dead, uh, basically, in order to try to identify and uh, claim what's going to happen in the future. And so uh, Isaiah is saying that um, that even, you know, the warriors and the, uh, the, the heroes and the judges and the prophets, uh, you know, these aren't obviously evil people, fortune tellers and elders, you know, counselors, cunning magicians, necromancers. He's, he's basically identifying everybody. And he's saying that um, in these people is where uh, the, uh, the people of Judah found their security. And it says that the Lord of armies is about to remove from Jerusalem and from Judah, which is being from the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, from Israel and Judah, you know, every kind of security. So they found their security in these people. And the Lord is saying that he's going to remove these people. In verse 4, it says, I will make use your leaders and unstable rulers will govern them. In other words, he's going to make the inexperienced, uh, their leaders and uh, unstable rulers will govern them because of this. So I'm going to take all your experienced people, all the people you find security in, I'm going to remove all that and I'm going to replace them with these young folk that don't know nothing. (laughs) That's essentially what the Lord is is telling the people through Isaiah in verse 8. It says, for Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because they have spoken and acted against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. And so because they had defied the Lord, because they had had uh, turned from the Lord and turned toward wickedness, you know, idolatry and all sorts of things. He says, okay, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, and, and, and I'm going to do these things because of your wickedness, basically. And then in verse 9, it says, the look on, the, on their faces testifies against them, and like Sodom, they flaunt their sin. They do not conceal it, Woe to them, for they have brought disaster on themselves. See? So the Lord is saying, look, they flaunt their sin. They don't even conceal it. They don't even try to hide it. They bring it out in broad daylight. They don't even care. See? So they flaunt their sin. They do not conceal it. He says, woe to them, for they have brought disaster on themselves. I have not done this. They have brought this on themselves. In verse 10, it says, Tell the righteous that it will go well for them, and they will eat the fruit of their labor. Woe to the wicked, it will go badly for them, for what they have done will be done to them. So the Lord is reassuring, right? Because he's telling, look, this is for the unrighteous, but for you righteous folks, for those who seek to follow me, for those who who seek me, for those who haven't turned away from me, it will go well with you. But woe to the wicked, it will go badly for them. And in verse 12, it says, Use oppress my people and women rule over them. Uh, My people, your leaders mislead you. They confuse the direction of your paths. 
Now, this can sound sexist, right? It says, Jews oppress my people and women rule over them. We will see what the women have been involved in during this time period. You see, And so I mean, he, he's, he's bringing about what they have brought on themselves. It says, my people, your uh, leaders mislead you. They confuse the direction of your paths. That goes for today as well. Our, our politicians, our leaders mislead us. But you see, if they're saying things that we want to hear, if they're saying things that we agree with, then we don't even care. We don't even care that we're being misled. <clears throat> Woe to us for our attitude towards these things. Verse 14, the Lord brings this change against the elders and leaders of his people. You have devastated the vineyard. You know, the vineyard is where the grapes grow to make the good wine. And the Lord is saying that you have devastated the vineyards. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. In other words, he's telling the leaders that you have stolen from the poor people. You are not righteous. You are not right. In the next section, it says Jerusalem's women judged. Verse 16, the Lord also says, because the daughters of Zion are howdy, walking with their heads held high and seductive eyes, prancing along, jiggling their ankle bracelets. That's probably not all they were jiggling. Verse 17, the Lord will put scabs on the heads of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will shave their foreheads bare. See, if you're a female and you don't have hair, that was a disgrace. That was a sign that you had been cursed. Verse 18, on that day, the Lord will strip their finery, ankle bracelets, headbands, crescents, pendants, bracelets, and veils. Verse 14, instead of perfume, there will be a stench. Instead of a belt, there will be a rope. Instead of beauty style, instead of beautifully styled hair, baldness. Instead of fine clothes, sackcloth. Instead of beauty, branding. He was mad at the, at the women, you know, for, for their howdiness, for what they were doing. They were flaunting their femaleness, if you will. <laughs> you know? And, and, and uh, all the while, the whole society was sinning. Was the whole society was flaunting their sin. Chapter 4. The section title says, Zion's Future Glory. Verse 2, on that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. Now, this kind of has a dual meaning, because the branch of the Lord is also a reference to the Messiah, as well as to Judah. Okay, so we kind of have a double meaning here going on. It says, on that day, you know, the future uh, day of glory of Zion, which again, could be uh, pointing to the, to the coming of Christ. And the fruit of the land will be uh, the pride and glory of Israel's survivors. Also uh, might be called a remnant because most of the people were flaunting and involved in their sin. Verse 3. Whoever remains in Zion and whoever is left in Jerusalem will be called holy. All in Jerusalem written in the book of life. See, not everybody was written in the book of life. Most weren't. You know, a remnant word. Most weren't. Verse 4. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the blood guilt from the heart of Jerusalem by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. 
So God is going to bring judgment, and those that do not, uh, those things that do not survive His judgment will be burned. <clears throat> Chapter five, section title says "Song of the Vineyard," and it says the one I love had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. Okay, so uh, you have a loved one that has a vineyard, you know. Uh, for crops, for grapes. It says it's very fertile. So everything here should be growing very well. There should be no issues with growth here. And it says in verse two, he broke up the soil, cleared it of stones and planted it with the finest vines. See, so he's got good soil. He removed all the impurities and says, okay, we're going to grow this thing. And it says he expected it to yield good grapes, but it yielded worthless grapes. Well, why might that be? In verse 3, it says, So now, residents of Jerusalem and men of Judah, please judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard? What more could I have done for my vineyard than I did? I did everything that was right, but I got worthlessness. Why? It says, Why? When I expected a, a yield of good grapes, did it yield worthless grapes? Good question. Verse 5, Now I will tell you what I'm about to do, um, what I'm about to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it will be uh, and it will be consumed. I will tear down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make a wasteland; it will not be pruned or weeded. Thorns and briars will grow up. I will also give orders to the clouds that rain should not fall on it, because this thing was worthless. It was planted in good soil, but it was worthless. Worthless. Nothing good from it grew. Okay, I'm going to uproot everything. I'm going to let everything grow out of control. And I'm even going to tell the weather. I'm even going to command the weather. Do not rain on this soil. Do not fall on it. Let it just dry up and die. Verse 7, for the vineyard of the Lord of armies is the house of Israel. See, so the vineyard is now, the vineyard is an analogy to the people of Israel. And the man of Judah, uh, and the man of Judah, the plant uh, he delighted in, he expected justice but saw injustice. He expected righteousness but heard cries of despair. And so he planted, you know, had the soil, he had um, um, uh, Judah, uh, which should have been righteous. And but what he found out, or what was discovered, was that they were unrighteous. They weren't right. What he expected was a good crop, but that's not what he got. He expected justice and saw injustice. He expected righteousness and saw unrighteousness. And so even though uh, the seeds were planted in good soil, they didn't grow right. They didn't respond right. Section title is Judah's Sins Denounced. So we go down to verse 11. Woe to those who rise early in the morning in, pers in pursuit of beer who linger into the evening inflamed by wine. Woe to those who basically are worthless except want to sit around and get drunk. Verse 12. At their feasts, they have lyre, harp, tambourine, flute, and wine. They do not perceive the Lord's actions, and they do not see the work of his hands. So they're partying. They have their feasts. They have all of the, the, the festive stuff, uh, things going on. All the festive stuff's going on, right? But they do not perceive uh, the Lord's actions. They do not understand the times. They don't understand what's going on. They don't perceive him. 
and they do not see the work of his hands. The word his hands are working, but they don't recognize and acknowledge them. Man, how this is so um, uh, emblematic of what's going on today in the world, not just in the United States, in the world. In the world, the Lord is constantly working, constantly working, yet people do not perceive him. And they do not see the work of his hands, even though the work of his hands are present every day. When you wake up in the morning and the sun has risen, when you uh, view nature, when you see things growing, that's all the Lord. But they don't perceive that as being the Lord. They don't perceive the daily mir miracles that get revealed to us. See, they don't, they don't recognize that. They don't acknowledge that. They don't want to have anything to do with the Lord. And so they don't acknowledge his existence. They don't acknowledge his presence. In verse 13, it says, therefore, my people will go into exile because they lack knowledge. See, because they refuse to acknowledge the things of the Lord, because they absolutely refuse, they will go into exile. See, the Lord is, to, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if this was going on, if this was the verdict of, of the people at that time, it's also the verdict of the people in these days, therefore, my people will go into exile because they lack knowledge. Her dignitaries are starving and her masses are parched with thirst. Verse 14, therefore, Sheol, again, Sheol is a type of death or a type of hell. It says, therefore, Sheol enlarges its throat. Sheol opens its mouth wide. It says, therefore, Sheol enlarges his throat and opens wide its enormous jaws. <laughs> its enormous jaws. You know, in other words, it can open wide enough to swallow everybody who deserves to go in it. And down goes Zion's dignitaries, her masses, her crowds, and those who celebrate in her. So, her masses, her crowds, her dignitaries, those who celebrate in all that has chosen to not acknowledge God. Down they go to Sheol. Verse 18. Woe to those who drag inequity with cords of deceit and pull sin along with cart ropes. You know, and so people in their sin, wherever they go, especially those that don't acknowledge it as sin, the, the word is saying they pull it along with them. You know, they, they drag their sin with them. <laughs> Come on, it's like a suitcase. Let's go, sin. So wherever they go, they pull it with them. They don't seek to separate themselves from it. They pull it with them. Verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. See, everything is in reversal world, right? And so everything that is bad is now good. Everything that is good is now bad. And so we are seeing this today right now in our culture, where things that are good are identified as something else. You know, prudishness or old-time ancient Old time thinking, you know, anything that's progressive is good. Anything that's old and conservative is bad. You know, <clears throat> and so these are revelations of um, of man being wise in his own eyes. 
man thinking that he knows better than God. <clears throat> That's what these are signs of. This is how it manifests. You know, woe to those who substitute evil for good, who substitute darkness for light. Woe to those. You know, virginity today is mocked at. Woe to those. Twenty-one. Woe to those who consider themselves wise and judge themselves clever. <laughs> woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at pouring beer. Who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of justice. Woe to all those. Woe meaning that your time is coming. Your day of judgment is coming. You will not escape this. For they have rejected the instruction of the Lord of armies, and they have despised the word and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. If this is not prophetic with regard to what we see today in our in our culture, where people in masses have rejected the instruction of the Lord and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Things like abortion, you can't get away from this. See, you can try to call it um, pro-choice. You can, you, and, and by the way, I believe in pro-choice. I believe in when you choose at the moment of decision with regard to what it takes to become pregnant in the first place. You see, people are saying pro-choice after the fact, after one has become impregnated. But they made a choice prior to that. They made a choice to involve themselves in an activity that could result in an unwanted pregnancy. That's where the choice should be made. Not after the fact when somebody's life is, 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 is going to be sacrificed for your convenience. And I'm sorry if that you know, offends people, but it's the truth. For they have rejected the instruction of the Lord of armies and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the Lord's angry burned against his people. Because they did this thing, these things, his anger burned against them. He raised his hand against them and struck them. The mountains quaked, and their corpses were like garbage in the streets. Chapter 6. <clears throat> Isaiah's call and mission. And so... In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on high and lofty. I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem or the train of his robe filled the temple. So this is Isaiah having his vision. You know, he says he saw, and you know, when the king died. So here the king died, and Uzziah was a good king. He did some wrong things, but he was a good king. And so you see that a good king has died. And so there, you know, there may be a sense that all is lost. But at this point in time, Isaiah saw the Lord seated high and lofty on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So Isaiah is having a vision. And it says, uh, Seraphim were standing above him. They each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. 
With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. So, so seraphim is a kind of bird, an angelic-like bird creature with six wings. Verse 3, and they called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. So again, this is a vision, a dream that Isaiah is having. In verse 4, the fountain or the foundations of the doorway shook um, at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Verse 5, then they said, uh, then they said, woe is me for I am ruined because I am, oh, it says, no, then I said, this is Isaiah talking to himself, woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips and because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. And so in the presence of God, all of a sudden, Isaiah was very, very sensitive to his own inadequacies, to his own sin. He was in the presence of a holy, righteous being. And it's like, oh my God, I'm undone. I'm, I can't believe how wretched I am. See, that's what happens when you stand, of hol- when you stand within the presence of holiness. You become very self-aware. It says in verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, Who will I send? Who will go for us? See, the Lord wants to send somebody amongst his people to tell him something. And so Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Verse 9. And Isaiah replied, Go, say to the people, keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. This is a warning. The Lord is sending Isaiah to tell the people, yeah, okay, keep on listening to me when I'm preaching, but choose not to understand. Keep looking, but don't perceive what I'm trying to tell you. Keep, you, you keep doing these things. Verse 10, it says, make, their minds, make the minds of these people dull. Deafen their ears and blind their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears. So he said, go tell the people. Tell them the truth, you know. But I want them to be dull. I want them to be deaf. Because if they could see it, if they could hear, maybe they would do the righteous things. But no. Understand with their minds. Turn back and be healed. So he says, uh, make the minds of these people dull, deafen their ears and blind their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their minds and turn back and be healed. See, if they did what was right, they could turn back and they could be healed. Their bodies could be healed. Their souls could be healed. Their salvation, their salvation could be healed. Everything could be healed. You know, but no, <laughs> let's not have them do that because they've been too wretched. They've done too many awful things. And then it says in verse 11, then I, uh, then I said, until when, Lord? And he replied, in other words, Isaiah is saying, how long do I have to do this? How long do I have to go out and preach amongst my people and, and them just disregarding what I say? <laughs> and the Lord says, until cities lie in ruins without inhabitants, houses are without people, the land is ruined and desolate. And the Lord drives the people far away, leaving great emptiness in the land. Though a tent will remain in the land, it will be burned again. Like the oak that leaves a stump when felled, the holy seed is a stump. And so in other words, the Lord is saying, go preach these things amongst the people until I come and wipe them out and send them to a distant land. But there will be a remnant. There will be a stump that will remain. The holy seed will remain. I'm essentially going to cleanse this land 
of his people, its evilness, send them away. But remaining will be a remnant of people who did not abandon me, who did not leave me. And so when a time of cleansing comes, this is what happens. See, a time of purging, a time of purifying. The Lord gets rid of those who involve themselves in all types of foolishness and wickedness, idolatries, and all the things that they, and the, and the word indicates that they knowingly did. This was not a secret. This was not a mistake. They made decisions. They made uh, conscious decisions to defy the Lord. But there will, there will be a remnant. There will be those who stay loyal to me. And with that, we're going to suspend activities for the day. And tomorrow we will pick it up in Isaiah chapter 7. Everybody have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye.